Good morning. Good to be with you. My name is Rob. I want to add my welcome to what you've already heard from Lindsay and the worship team. We're glad that you're here with us this morning. A couple of announcements before we jump into the message. If you're new to fellowship, maybe you're not new to fellowship, but you want to learn more about what we are and who we are, and you're interested in being a bigger part of this church, we invite you to come to our intro to fellowship class, which is the first Sunday of every month. So our next one will be February 5th, which is just a couple of weeks away from now. It takes place in the second service, which is this time now. You can register at connectedfellowship.com. There's also some other information there and ways to get connected. So that's a great first step. Go to that website and then come to intro to fellowship on February 5th. We'd love to meet you there. Uh, Second of all, this is the time of year or really one of two times of year that's the best to get connected in a group. The beginning of our mission statement says, becoming a community of people. It's hard to become a community of people when you're in a large room like this. It's, you know, it's one of the reasons we do the meet and greet is just to kind of help it feel like, yeah, there's a person I sit next to every other week or every week, and I know them a little bit. But we want you to get to know people at this church better. We want you to be known. We want to become a fellowship together. And the best way to do that is to join a study or a group. And we've got all all that information at communityatfellowship.com. And again, you know, some of these studies or fellowship groups and things, the, the window opens and then it kind of closes again. And then it opens back up in September. So now's the best time. And we encourage you to jump on that. Go to that website today if you're able to and find out all the information about men's studies, women's studies, uh, fellowship groups. And uh, we have a group connect event coming up real soon. So you'll want to check all that out there. And then finally, we give together. And we give together because Jesus has called us to. And God has called us to open our hands and then he uses all the stuff, not just what makes the lights come on in here, but literally to the ends of the world. And as we're sort of still remembering how God used our giving over our global Christmas, um, $1.3 million given over that for the, the world, we continue to give because it's fun and it is a joy to be generous and see what God does with that. So I want to encourage you to be a part of that. You can text to that phone number or you can go to that website as well and, and be a part of giving together. I want to start with um, a bit of a story. Uh, not sure if this one's true or not, but I've heard it told multiple times. Many, many, many years ago, there was a rabbi that was wandering around the countryside in ancient Israel. And this particular rabbi was a very wise old man. He was a very brilliant thinker, a very brilliant teacher. And he tended to kind of just get lost while he would walk around. He was thinking about God's law and he was contemplating God's direction. And he was wandering around. And, and one particular day, he was so lost in thought that he, he missed the fork in the road that would take him back to his village and he ended up in a place he had never been before and the path led to a Roman fortress and he kind of just came around a bend and he was on it suddenly and there was a guard tower and a guard was standing at the top of the tower and he kind of startled the guard and the guard startled the rabbi and the guard you know looked down and shouted very gruffly who are you and what are you doing here The rabbi had to gather his thoughts for a minute and and all all he could sort of just instinctively respond with was, what did you say? And the guard said it again, who are you? What are you doing here? A light bulb went off in the rabbi's mind and he stood there for another moment and then he looked up at the guard and smiled. He said, how much do they pay you to ask those questions? And the guard looked puzzled and he said, five denarii a day. And the rabbi said, I'll pay you double to come to my home every morning and ask me these questions. Who are you and what are you doing here? 
We've been in a little series within a series in the last few weeks as we've kind of gotten back into the Gospel of John. We've taken the first three weeks of the new year to really ask those questions about ourselves as a church. Who are we? And what are we doing here? And so we've talked about our mission. We'll put it back on the screen. Our our mission at Fellowship Bible Church is becoming a community of people who follow Jesus with our whole heart and help others do the same. In a sense, every church has the same mission because it was given by Jesus to go and make disciples of all the world, but each church is a unique expression of that mission. And for us, the heart is a big deal at Fellowship. We want to follow Jesus with everything we are, our thoughts, emotions, desires, choices, but it doesn't end there. We want to come alongside others and help them do the same as well. Now, last week, if you were here, Lloyd taught a message on kind of, in a way, it was the first part of that mission. What does it look like to follow Jesus with your whole heart? And he introduced us to four practices of Jesus, four, four practices that sort of encapsulate the life of Jesus. And for all of us who wish to follow him, we're encouraged to develop these practices in our own lives. And I'd love these. It's commune with God, hear and obey God's word, love each person, multiply your life. I'll tell you how I've really connected with these When I think about following Jesus in the the biggest perspective, I'm like, wow, there's so much involved in following Jesus. Like, you know, he literally went to the cross and what does it mean for me to take on my cross and all these things? Honestly, it can get a little bit overwhelming if I think about it at that level. But when I shrink it down and say, "Well, well, what did Jesus do? He communed with God. Can I do that? Yes, I can learn to do that. He heard and obeyed God's word. Can I do that? Guys, you and I are doing that this morning. We're about to hear God's word and then we have a chance to obey it. Love each person. Ooh, that's a hard one. But I love the fact that it says each person. You know, it's not all people. I can't love all people, but I can love each person that God puts in front of me and then multiply your life. I've been thinking this week, who has God put in my life that he's asking me to invest in? that he's asking me to pour into. And so it takes the life of Jesus and it just breaks it down in these little handholds that we can just grab a hold of and say, okay, this is what it could look like for me to follow Jesus. And we're gonna keep teaching those and incorporating those into our group curriculum and our children are gonna learn these things. And these are gonna define what it means to us to follow Jesus with our whole heart. What I wanna do this morning is talk about this second part of our mission or really the last part of our mission. What does it look like for us to Help others do the same. In other words, help others follow Jesus with their whole heart. And I want to say that's the most missional part of our mission. You know, that's the part that that we believe the Spirit is leading us to lean into as much or I think more than we ever have had, ever have as a church. And here's one of the reasons for that. When you look around the world, you look around the culture, you look around where we are right now, The hope of the world is not technology or power or or politics or human potential. The hope of the world is Jesus Christ. And and you believe that. I, I, I know you do. That's why you're here this morning. But here's what I've realized is if we actually believe that the hope of the world is Jesus Christ, we have to be intentional about helping people follow him. We have to be intentional about raising up other disciples. And so the question that I want to ask and and answer this morning is what will it take for Fellowship Bible Church to multiply our lives into the next generation of disciples. Because there's a whole generation of people out there that are just looking around for someone to show them how to find meaning in life. Who am I? What am I doing here? 
Jesus is going to answer the questions, but he's going to do that through us as we embody his message, as we embody the gospel to other people. So if our mission is sort of the what of what we do this morning, I'm going to talk a little bit about the how, especially how we're going to help others do the same. And, and we're going to call that strategy in a way. We're going to talk about our strategy. And be no surprise to you really that our strategy is going to come straight from the life of Jesus himself. How did Jesus make disciples? So turn in your Bibles to John chapter 1, beginning in verse 39 or 35. We're going to look at three passages this morning, all from the Gospel of John. And they're going to answer the question, how did Jesus make disciples? And then we're going to say, we're going to do it the way Jesus did it. We don't have to relearn how to make disciples. We can just look at Jesus himself. He is our pattern for this. So the first way that Jesus made disciples, or maybe I'll call it the first step that he did when he was making disciples is found right here in John chapter one. These are the first disciples that ever started following Jesus. Let's read 35 through 39. The next day, again, John was standing with two of his disciples and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, behold, the lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, what are you seeking? And they said to him, rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying and they stayed with him that day for it was about the 10th hour. I, I love Jesus's invitation. Come and you will see. We already kind of been singing about that already this morning. Um, what's so beautiful about that to me is he's inviting them to see his home his dwelling place. We don't know where he was living at the time. Maybe he was at a relative's house. Maybe he was camped out somewhere. And, you know, we didn't know. He ever, he'd never really had a permanent home, but he was staying somewhere. And he invited them in. He invited them over for a meal. He in, invited them to, to sit around the fire and kick off their sandals and just be together and dwell together, live together, so to speak, in, in that evening. Uh, we know they would have stayed for the night because it says it was about the 10th hour. That's late in the day. The sun would have been setting. And you didn't travel at night in this culture. So... They would have stayed with Jesus. How personal, how intimate. So the first principle we learn from Jesus about his strategy of making disciples, oop, there it goes, let me pull it back up. The first thing that Jesus did was Jesus invited them into relationship. It was so personal. It was so intimate. Why does it matter that Jesus did it that way? You know, you think about all 12 of the disciples plus the other number that were following Jesus around, the, the other women and other people that were following Jesus around. It was like on a big extended road trip. They camped out together. They had meals together. They went from town to town together. Why did Jesus do it that way? Well, I think it's because he understood that information can transfer across distance, but discipleship cannot. In other words, he could have written a letter. You know, we have our own technology today. We can communicate back and forth um, over distance and even over time. But you can't disciple someone at a distance. You have to get life on life. And that's what Jesus illustrated to us. Jesus was life on life with these people. He was in the flesh. That's what the incarnation was all about. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus rubbed shoulders 
with his followers. You cannot be incarnational with someone from a distance. You have to invite them into relationship. You have to say, come over and have dinner. Let's go get coffee. You know, I bump into you from time to time. You ever want to just sit down and spend time together? Why is that so hard for us to do? Well, we're afraid of rejection. We're afraid maybe they don't need us. Maybe we don't have time for a new relationship. But if we don't invite people into relationship, we're never going to be able to have any imprint in their lives. And so that was always step one with Jesus. He invited them into relationship. Let's look at the next text. And, and this next one, skip ahead to the end of his ministry because he spent three years doing this next thing with his disciples. Turn to John 13. John chapter 13, flip over there in your John journal if you have that or turn your Bibles to it. And this is a very famous scene at the end of Jesus' life, the night that he was arrested before that. He had a meal with his disciples. It was customary at that time that you would, you know, do a ceremonial washing, wash your feet before you'd recline down and eat the meal. But Jesus did something unexpected. Let's listen to what he did. Verse 12 of chapter 13. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I've given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. The second thing that Jesus did, and, and really he did this throughout his entire ministry with these 12. There it goes again. Joe, I think my sleeve is doing something here on this, but I've got it back. Number two is Jesus showed them how to live. Now, we could have said this different ways. Showed them how to love, showed them, et cetera. But the key is he showed them. He didn't just tell them. He showed them. Jesus was a master teacher. We all know this. And in fact, I, I think it's, uh, you could give a lot of evidence that Jesus was the greatest teacher who ever lived. Certainly in terms of the way he's influenced and impacted people. He's the greatest teacher who ever lived. But the key to his teaching was not his brilliant words, although he had many. Key to his teaching wasn't his keen insight, although he had a lot of that. It was the way that he embodied everything he taught, the way he lived it. His teaching became flesh through his own self, through his own life. And so think about a really good teacher. They don't just tell you what you should know. They show you how to live it out. A really good teacher shows you how to live, how to live out the principles, live out the wisdom, whatever it is. And this is exactly what Jesus did. And at no point was it more powerful than the moment he washed his disciples' feet. I love what he said here when he asked them this question, do you understand what I have done to you? I don't think he was referring just to the foot washing, although that was the near referent. I think he was referring to his whole ministry over the previous three years. And Jesus knows this is his last time with these men. Do you, do you know, you understand what I've done to you? I've given you an example. I've shown you, I've loved you. I've poured myself out for you. I, I've been an embodiment of the teaching is what he's saying. And then he turns around and this is so brilliant. Verses 14 and 15, he's like, now I'm gonna call you to do it. I'm gonna ask you now to do as I have done to you. So obviously wash each other's feet, literally, I think he's saying but more important than that, embody to one another and to the world the teaching that I have 
multiplied into you. So that leads us to our last text and, and our last part of Jesus' strategy. So number one, he invited them into relationship. When they were in relationship with him, he showed them how to live, taught them a new way of living. And then number three, turn over to John 20. John chapter 20. This is at the very, near the very end of the story. There's 21 chapters in John and this is on resurrection day. The disciples didn't see him in the morning like the women did, but he appeared to them in the evening. So this is the very first time that the disciples had seen Jesus since the crucifixion. We'll pick it up in verse 19 of chapter 20. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I'm sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. What an interesting passage. Now, what I want you to see in this is the very first words that Jesus says when he sees them after the resurrection. He says two things. Number one, he says, peace is yours. Peace be with you. And, and think about it. He had just defeated death. Peace in Hebrew is the Hebrew word shalom. It means wholeness, fullness, completeness. He's saying, finally, there is wholeness in the world and it, I'm giving it to you. Peace, my peace be with you. And then the second thing he says is, I'm now sending you. This must have, must have gotten their attention. So what do you mean you're sending us? We thought you were the hope of the world. He's like, I am the hope of the world, but I'm gonna multiply myself through you. I'm sending you. So this is the third thing that Jesus does. Three, he sent them into the world. So this is Jesus' very simple strategy. He invited them into relationship. He showed them a new way of living. Then he sent them in the world to multiply himself through them. I think this moment that he breathed the spirit on them was so significant. In, in Greek, the same Greek word is used for spirit and breath. It's the word pneuma. So Jesus breathed out the spirit. Why did they need the spirit? Because they can't be Jesus in the world without the spirit of Jesus in them. And nor can you and I. So Jesus breathed out his spirit. He says, I'm sending you. He has this very significant conversation with them. And, and he's saying, you're going to be my representative. And it gets crazy in this last verse. To the place, if you forgive sins, they're forgiven. If you will hold forgiveness, it's withheld. Now there's some mystery here. You know, we would never want to abuse this. But I think what, what John the apostle is trying to get us to see is the authority of Jesus Christ rests on the followers of Jesus through his spirit. And I want you to feel the weight of that a little bit. We have the spirit of Christ and we've been sent into the world. That's the way of Jesus. He invites us into relationship. How many of you have, you have been invited into relationship with Jesus? I won't ask you to hold your hand up, but I know it's most of you in the room. You'd say, I'm in a relationship with Jesus. Oh, you raised your hand anyway. <laughs> Did I say, raise your hand? I meant to say, don't need to raise your hand, but thank you. <laughs> Sometimes things come out of my mouth I don't understand and know. 
So he's invited us into relationship. He's showed us how to live. That's why we're studying the gospel of John so we can see how Jesus lived. And then guess what he does next? He sends us out into the world. This is the part where, to quote Marty Sweeterman, our armpits start getting a little sweaty. It's a weird analogy. Marty, thank you for giving that to us. Why do we get a little nervous when we're sent out into the world? Because how do I know how to be Jesus in the world? How do I know what people need? I can't heal anyone. Over the last several months at Fellowship, we've been thinking about this mission statement, becoming a community of people who follow Jesus with our whole heart and help others do the same. And we thought, how are we gonna help others do the same? How are we gonna equip our body to help others follow Jesus? How are we gonna be sent out together? And we've decided to capture this simple strategy of Jesus in, into a little three-part strategy that you're, you're gonna be seeing you know, all, all over. Because all of our ministries are gonna adopt the same simple strategy to make disciples. We'll put this on the screen and I wanna explain what this is. Invite in to encounter Jesus, train up to become like Jesus, send out to embody Jesus. Very simple. I hope you can see this comes straight from the way Jesus did it. Now, we chose these little simple drawings here because we wanted something that you could just literally duplicate on the back of a napkin if you're telling someone about this church or if you're explaining why fellowship does everything it does. And it starts with invite in. Now, that doesn't just mean invite people to church, although certainly we would encourage that. But the way of Jesus is invite them into relationship. You have to befriend someone before you can have any imprint on their lives. So we're going to invite people into relationship with us. And we'll talk more about that throughout the next weeks and months and years. We're going to invite in. And then when they're invited in, we're going to train them up. Now, training happens here for sure. Like even on Sunday mornings, what we do in our worship, training people how to be worshipers, what we do in our teaching, you know, training you how to understand God's word and live out God's word. But it can also happen through you. It can happen through your life as you're life on life with people, showing them a different way to live. You're gonna train people up to become like Jesus and finally we're gonna send out. We're gonna send people out from here and in our own relationships. What are we gonna send them out to do? To embody Jesus in the world just like we are. This is how the church has been multiplied for 2,000 years. People invited into relationship, trained up to live like Jesus, to become like Jesus and then sent out to embody him in the world. This is what we're asking every ministry at fellowship to grab onto. So how are we gonna do our worship services? This way. In fact, we already are. You notice there's a call to worship at the beginning and then we're trained together how to worship. We're trained under God's word. And then at the end, there's ascending. We're now sent out into the world. Our worship services have been designed around this strategy. How are we gonna do it in our learning center? Even with our youngest kids. We want that place to be the most inviting environment that they could ever get into. That's why we have volunteers that serve all the way through every Sunday. Thank you for those of you that are serving in that ministry. Once those kids are in those classrooms, we're gonna teach them, we're gonna train them to become like Jesus. And then are they ever too young to be sent out to, to be little bitty Jesuses to their friends on their soccer teams and their neighborhoods? They're never too young. They're never too young just to embody the love of Christ to their friends. How are we gonna do this in our student ministry? 
same thing, invite in, train up, send out. How are we gonna do this in our small groups, our men's and women's groups, same thing, invite in, train up, send out everything we do around this strategy. Now you may be wondering what's up, what's up with this strange looking illustration right here? Well, if you've been around fellowship for a while, you might recognize this. This is what we call the, the transformational pathway and it talks about how our hearts are transformed. Our thoughts, our emotions, our desires, our choices are, are all sort of woven together in Christ and, and we, we have a transformation from the inside out. It's not a linear journey. It's a journey of the heart. Our hearts are being transformed so that we can be sent out to embody Jesus to the world. Now, what's most compelling, I think, about this strategy is it illustrates that our mission is not fully realized here on this campus. It's not fully realized here in this building. It's realized out in the world in the relationships where God has planted us, where we live, work, and play, we say. So, so every week we're invited in, we're trained up, we're sent out. And this strategy is not just for every ministry in our church, it's for every person in our church. God is calling you as well. Invite someone into relationship. Spend some time with them. Show them what it looks like to follow Jesus. What you're doing is you're actually training them up. You're helping their heart be transformed. And then at some point in time, they're going to be sent out. You're going to say, hey, who else could you invest in? How could you multiply your life? And that's how this process goes. And we're going to be very serious about this strategy. So let me tell you about a next step that we've taken. We've developed a resource that, that we're piloting right now. It's a beta test. We're piloting it so we can put it in your hands as a tool to help you invest in someone else. It's a 10-week study through the Gospel of John. Go figure. It's called Come and See. It's a journal. And the way it works is every day there's a scripture reading. And so over two weeks, it'll walk you through the Gospel of John. And at the same time, it's teaching you how to spend time with Jesus. So let me show you. This is, the, this is day one, and, and almost every day is exactly like this. There's a pattern that we're teaching people how to spend time with God. You come, you listen, you respond. So come, there's a question there, and it just invites you to reflect on what God is doing in your life, what's on your heart as you come to God today. Listen, read this passage. What's the main idea of the passage, and what do you believe God is saying to you through the passage? And then respond. In light of what you've written, what's God leading you to do? And then the last question, talk with God about what you need and the needs of others. In other words, just have a conversation with God. And we're encouraging people to write it out, man. Make your prayers tangible in this journal. Every day, come, listen, respond. The next day, come, listen, respond. You get to the end of the five day, we have five, five of these per week. And then there's a digging deeper article that goes deeper into one of the biblical concepts from the text that you've been in that week. In week one, for example, it's the feasts in John's gospel and why they're so significant and what, what we learn from them. And then at the end of the week, there's a group meeting. Now, don't be confused. This doesn't have to be a big group. In fact, we encourage this to be a one-on-one, -on -one, one, one with three, maybe four of you, five of you, that kind of small groups. The idea here is this is not to be done alone. This is a tool that you can use to disciple someone else, that you can use to multiply your life in someone else. And you might say, I don't know that I'm ready for that. We're going to train you. We're going to train you. So here's what we're, we're asking for. And this isn't an actual literal ask. We need 100 people that are willing to beta test this tool with us. And we're going to cap it off at 100 people. We're going to train you how to use this tool. And we're going to let you go. The ask is this. 
Don't sign up unless you're willing to say, I, I've got someone in my life that I can ask to go through this with me. And she and I are gonna do it. He and I are gonna do it together. Or the three of us are gonna do it together. And we're gonna do this together because we need your feedback on this tool. And then once we get the feedback and make some changes, then we're gonna give it to everybody. So here's how you can find out more information about this. If you wanna be a part of it, the training of how to use this tool is next Sunday at 5 p.m. at our Franklin Campus Worship Center. We would love to see you there. This is not for everybody, but for some of you in the room, you're like, I've got someone that I can tell about Jesus, that I can introduce to Jesus, or, or a new Christian that I can help grow. That's what this tool is for. Register at comeandseejournal.com, first hundred. You guys are the second worship service, so I don't know how much room is left. <laughs> but if this interests you, please go take advantage of that, and we would love for you to beta test this with us. I'm really excited about this tool, and there will be more tools that come as well. Let me go back to our strategy slide. This year at Fellowship, we'll celebrate 25 years as a church. And that's pretty significant. 25 years. That may seem like we've been around a while, but from the perspective of a church, that's a baby. You know, we're just getting started. As an elder team, over the last couple of weeks, we've been asking, what do we think God wants to do next? Here. And, and the answer is, it's a continuation of the same thing. Yes, we're, we've sharpened the mission. Yes, we have a, a strategy that we think just flows right out of the life of Jesus. But, but God's done marvelous things through Fellowship Bible Church. And we're praying that that trajectory will continue and, and, and even sharpen its focus. And we had a retreat at the end of last week. Our elder team did. And the very last morning of the retreat, we did an exercise where we just wrote down on these little post-it notes uh, what, what we would dream of for this church in 10 years. And it was beautiful. It was wonderful. I obviously, I can't read to you all those, but they were all centered around a single statement, a vision statement that I, I want to introduce you to. And this just comes from the heart of our staff leadership team and our elder team is what we would love to see in the future of Fellowship Bible Church. It's very simple. We would love to see Jesus transform thousands of hearts through the people of fellowship. Here's what I love about this statement. It's simple, it's Jesus-focused, captures the heart of who we are, but the thing I might maybe love most about it is it involves every single one of us. It's, it'd be easy to say, we long to see Jesus transform thousands of hearts through our worship services and through our children's ministry. And of course we long for that. But, but do you know what gets us even more excited? That he would transform thousands of hearts through you, through us, through the people of Fellowship Bible Church. We're an equipping church. That means, yes, we want people here on Sunday mornings, but it's not to draw a big crowd. It's to learn together so we can be sent together. So we can be equipped here so we can go out. And it's the same strategy in all of our ministries at Fellowship. The church is not what happens here at 9 o'clock or 1045 on Sunday. The church is Christ's expression of himself in our community through you. Through you. So we want to put something in your hands this morning just as we close out this three-week little mini-series on our mission and vision. And it's, it's a little trifold brochure that, that has, has it all in it right now. I want to ask our ushers to go ahead and go back there if they would and grab these. And, and here's how this is going to work. Uh, we want to put this in your hand just so you'll have it. 
and we thought we could have them pick it up on the way out, but we said, no, we want every single person to have this. And so the ushers are gonna grab some, they're gonna just hand a stack to each row. If you would take one, pass it down. When it gets to the end of the row, you'll probably have some extras, that's fine. You can just leave them by your seat or put them in the, the pocket of the chair in front of you and we'll pick them up after the service. While these are being passed out, let me walk you through it and then I'm gonna tell you what we want you to do with this. Uh, when you open it up, it opens like this and so you can see three panels. On the left is our mission statement, becoming a community of people who follow Jesus with our whole heart and help others do the same. In the center are the four practices that Lloyd taught on last week. The reason these are here is because this answers the question, what does it look like to follow Jesus with our whole heart? Well, commune with God, hear and obey God's word, love each person, multiply your life. Do you think you can teach someone those things? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I think we can all live these things out. And then on the right panel, our strategy, what we went over today, invite in, train up, send out. And there's a little more explanation about each of these as you go. Now, if you flip over the back panel, you see the vision statement that we just introduced you to for the very first time. As we dream about the future, we long to see Jesus transform thousands of hearts through the people of Fellowship Bible Church. And when you, when you get this in your hand, you can look at some bullet points we wrote out. We could have written a thousand bullet points, but, but here are just a few. We, we long to see flourishing, Christ-centered families. Lloyd and myself and the staff, we can't do that. Christ will do that through you. We long to see tangible needs being met for the underserved in our community. Oftentimes people come up to us and they're like, man, um, uh, do you guys know about that organization and this organization? I think we should give some money to them. We should partner with them. And yes, we do some of that. We love doing that. But you know what we love even more is seeing you all engage in those places and you being the church in places that we could never reach. We long to see marriages restored. We long to see the gospel transforming local schools and universities some of the same schools and universities where you all are attending or teaching. We long to see this, the, the, the people, or, or we long to see people finding new meaning and purpose in their work. How many of you feel like you, don't raise your hand this time, you feel like you just are in a job just to be a job, just to provide? What if you could connect to a purpose through your work? And what if that could infect others through you we long to see all of this happen through the people of fellowship right here in Middle Tennessee and beyond. And then the very last panel on the very back of this is, is our, our core values. Word-centered, spirit-dependent, better together, courageously real, not about ourselves. We, we've, we've had those for several years and these describe who we are. In fact, what I want you to do with this brochure is put it somewhere where you'll see it over the next couple of weeks. Maybe it's on a nightstand or in the bathroom while you're brushing your teeth, maybe it's on the fridge or in the car, somewhere where you're gonna see it with your Bible. And then as you see it, take a few minutes just to read over it and more importantly, pray. Pray through it. Pray for your church. Pray for yourself. Pray that Jesus would stir something in you, that he would change hearts through you, that we together would become a community of people follow Jesus with our whole heart and help others do the same. This document is very important for the future of our church because it answers the same two questions the guard asked the rabbi. 
Who are you? And what are you doing here? I want to do one more illustration. We'll close the worship service with this. I'm going to illustrate something for you, and then we're going to sing a song connected to this illustration. So if the band could go ahead and come out. I want to invite everyone in the room to pull out your phone. Get your flashlight ready. You're going to need your flashlight on your phone. So maybe go ahead and turn it on, but then just kind of put it down in your lap or put it on the seat next to you so it's not shining in the room yet. But in a minute, you're going to have a chance to, to, to sort of lift your light. And I'll, I'm going to walk you through how this is going to work. The, the lights will dim in, in a moment. I'm going to read a series of prompts. And if a prompt describes you, raise your light. As simple as it is. And there's, there's nothing here that's invasive or, or embarrassing or anything like that. This is just an invitation for us to look around and, and sort of see what God has done among us. So if a prompt describes you, raise your light. And then once it's up, I, I, I want to encourage you to leave it raised. Now you might say, okay, I, I raised mine on the first one or the second one, but then the third or fourth one applies to me too. Well, then just do this, wave it around. All right, but once it's raised, just leave it raised. So the lights can go ahead and dim. Here's the first one. If a friend invited you to church when you were a kid, and, and that's how you came to know Jesus, because a friend invited you to church as a kid. I want you to raise your light. Raise your light, just keep it up. Raise your light if a high school friend invited you to youth group. So it was youth group where you found Jesus. Raise your light up. Yeah, several more. Raise your light if you had a grandparent that embodied Jesus for you, that, that taught you about Jesus, that was a good influence on you in Christ. A lot of lights went up on that one. Raise your light if you had a Sunday school teacher or a student ministry leader who introduced you to Jesus and they were the one that led you to Christ. A Sunday school teacher or a student ministry leader, small group leader. Good, I see some waving around, I see some lifting up. Uh, raise your light if your mom or dad led you to know Jesus. That's a lot of lights, a lot of lights on that one, praise God. Raise your light if it was in college and someone led you to Christ in college, maybe through a, a college ministry or just a relationship with someone, yeah, more lights went up. Raise your light if as an adult, a neighbor or a friend or a coworker introduced you to Jesus and that's how you met Jesus, was as an adult through a neighbor, a friend, or coworker. And I've got one last one, one last one. Raise your light if you can think of at least one person in your life who went out of their way to make an investment in you. L look around, just look around. If you're in the front, like shine your light backwards so all the people in the back can enjoy this beautiful scene as well. There you go, shine it backwards, good. Keep your light up, keep your light up, look around. You know what Jesus said to his followers? You are the light of the world. And, and here's what's happened here. We're all here because of someone else's investment in us. And now it's our turn. So imagine these lights multiplied tenfold, a hundredfold, a thousandfold through us. Would God do that? I think he would because he's a powerful God and he's done it before. So let's stand up and let's sing about that now.